Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Corinthians, Paul's admonition to the early church there. Uh, He uses this metaphor about living full out for God. Let's share in God's good word together. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I want an incredible family, don't you? I want to be an incredible family. One of the things that happens to uh, at least me is, you know, I want to take charge. I want to be in control. I want to make sure everything's great for my family. And, and my kids are like, uh, Dad. And, 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 and Chantel's like, no, don't interrupt him. He's on a roll, you know. And, and they're already figuring it out. The Lord is working in the different people in our family. Uh, and we're working together. Uh, because really, one of the things I hope you take away from today is uh, in relationships, it's all about teamwork. Right? It's all about teamwork. And relationships are not a sprint. They're a marathon, aren't they? That, that what we want is an enduring relationship, one that lasts over time, over decades. So we have lived long, strong, healthy relationships over time. If you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take those out. And I want to start today uh, with a Chinese proverb. I, I think it's exactly right. There are two perfect people, one dead and the other yet unborn. Isn't that true? We like to idolize those that have gone before us, or we like to place our hopes in those who will come after us. But friends, there are no perfect people. There are no perfect relationships. There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. Will you say that with me? There is no such thing as a perfect relationship. Absolutely true. And more often than not, what happens when couples come to see me and they're really upset, one of the things is that somebody has just gotten tired of playing the Savior. They just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, and, 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 and the whole family is all upset because they don't understand. Because oftentimes, uh, you can get these savior victim mentalities. They get together. Uh, you have codependency. And then when one of those folks starts to get healthy, they're like, oh, this, this doesn't work. What's going on? And, and one of the things we find out is there are no perfect relationships. And the other thing that I, you know, I, just, I just feel the pain when one of the spouses starts to tell me all the problems with the other spouse or the other person in the relationship I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a very long day. Because how, how many of you all, I dare you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you all have successfully changed your husband? Or, or your wife? Right? Right? Douglas, you got to watch out now. Be careful. Right? No, the only person you can change is who? Yourself. And that's if you're really fortunate with a lot of help, therapy, counselors, God himself. And, and, and then it starts to get a little better. But there are no what kind of relationships? Perfect. They don't exist. They don't exist. And, and if you think you found Mr. Perfect, just wait a while. I mean, it, you know, it happens. You, you figure this out. And, and the odds that an American couple will celebrate their 20th wedding anniversary is roughly 50%. It's coin cost. Coin cost. Boop. Right? Now, but the thing is, that's not inevitable. There are things we can do to have healthy, strong relationships. But it takes work because there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. Uh, Relationships are about what, friends? Teamwork. Teamwork. Say that with me. Relationships are about teamwork. And and the thing is, maybe more than anything else, when couples are able to live into this metaphor, when when they understand this concept that you're the team, the whole rest of the world may be uh, difficult to deal with, but you're the team. You're the team. When your husband is out there working hard for the family and he comes home, understand that he's a teammate. When your wife comes home from working hard out in the world and she's feeling beat up, remember, she's your teammate. 
These are the people that are getting you down the road. These are the people who are investing their life in you. These are the people you need to take care of. These are your teammates. They're, they're not against you. They're for you. And, and without them, you're, you're not going anywhere. These, these are your teammates. And we have to understand that. Uh, it's really important. And, and the folks that understand their relationships as a team are ones that have a really good high success rate. Now, and, and we're not making this stuff up. The, the thing about uh, making it to your 20th wedding anniversary comes from the National Center for Health Statistics. Uh, this is across the board in America. It takes teamwork. Now, Paul, as he writes about what it is to have relationships in the early church, whether he's writing to Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Galatia, Thessalonica, it doesn't matter. What he's saying is that Paul is afraid that the early church is going to be divided by petty jealousies. And you say, well, what, what, is that? You know, what does the Greek say about petty jealousies? The Greek roughly translated is, uh, who's going to take out the trash? Who did or did not feed the dog? Who did or did not wash the dishes? Who did or did not, you, you get this, that's called a petty jealousy. Things that happen in every relationship, that's not really what Paul was saying there exactly, but in, in, in the church, that, that's what it comes down to. You know, these are petty jealousies. Anybody have those in your home? You know, you, I, I saw one post the other day that said marriage is simply which one can push down the trash longer before you have to take it out. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's what marriage is. That's what it comes down to, right? Uh, what do you do when the dog gets out? Who's got to go chase them down or, or feed them or wash them or the cat or the box? Or, I mean, you know, this is life. Who, who did the last load of laundry? Any of y'all ever have that conversation about who's done what today and who will do the next item up for bid? On the home is about to explode, right? And it gets us nowhere because we are teammates. And so Paul writes this. He says, let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of who? Others. To others. This is the way healthy relationships look like. And Jesus, of course, models this on the very last night of his life as he picks up the towel and washes feet. Anybody else could have done that. You should, could certainly argue should have done that on the last night of his life. But no, he picks up the towel. He's the one washing feet. He's the one blessing the meal. Now, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. And, and, and you all understand what this is. You've been in relationships, particularly if you're on the back end of that, where you feel like you're never, you never have the advantage in the relationship. Maybe it's a work relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with extended family. Maybe it's even in your own family home where you, you, it doesn't matter what you do or how hard you try, you can never get the advantage. And some of us feel like you never even get to even much less the advantage. And, and there's this natural inclination in all of us that we want to have the advantage in the relationship. Paul says, no, 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 no. No, that's no relationship at all. That's manipulation. If you want a relationship that's loving and kind, forget yourselves long enough to lend a what? Helping hand. I mean, if you want to be in good relationship, lend a helping hand. Uh, particularly guys. You know, have you ever heard this? Your wife ever asked you, could you be more Helpful. Is it only, it's my house? I'm the only one that's getting that? Could you be more helpful? Could you, could you help me with this, engage? A helping hand. That's what is the, is the good word for us today. So how do you live this out? Well, number one, stop as you look at your relationships and look at them for real. Listen and then get real. But first of all, you have to sort of assess, right? You have to stop and look at really what's going on. You have to listen to your family members about what they're feeling not just what they're thinking, but also what they're feeling, how, how your relationship is affecting them, and then get real 
I mean, really get real. One of the things that drives me up a wall, and if you've done this, I'm, I'm not picking on you. I don't, I don't know of anyone in particular. Um, but this, this kind of gets, gets at me uh, because I'm a pastor and I, I deal with real life all the time. And I'll go on Facebook and I'll see something like this. Five years ago, I married my best friend, my soulmate, my love. Hug, 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 kiss, 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 party, party, hat. You know, hearts, hearts, hearts of all kinds and a dog. I don't know. It's crazy. If you've been married five years, that is not the truth. And there's been at least a season in there somewhere where you're like, uh, it looks more like this. Eat the leftovers again and I will end you. Right? I went to Upper Crust the other night. I had a leftover piece of pizza. I was going to take it to work tomorrow. Where is it? Where is it? Which one of you ate it? Because that was mine. I put my name, Dad, on the box. What? Who? I've got two teenage boys. I mean, it's going to happen. Right? Chantel never eats my food. I am the one that eats everybody else's food. It's clear. That's just, you know, I'll own it. But isn't that, you have to get real because you can't work on stuff that's not real. Right? You can't. Your relationship's not going to get better until you get real. So you got to put on your big boy pants and your lenses and look at it and go, ah, ha, ha, this really is it. And so one of the great blessings of being a part of a community for nearly 20 years is I get to watch relationships over time. And, and they can be really bumpy. But today I want to share with you all a couple that's been married almost 50 years. Uh, and Chantel and I have known them almost two decades. Um, and they're going to share with us. Uh, it's Emmett and, Lim- Emmett and Linda Carter. And as they come up, I want to show you a clip from The Incredibles because everybody also has these days. Let's just get real. Come on up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene because uh, one of my favorite memories from growing up is my mom and dad decided uh, they saved up all their money and they took us to the World's Fair in Knoxville, Tennessee, my sister and I. And so uh, we got there. And we weren't big city people. Dad was serving churches all around and uh, little churches all around Oklahoma. And uh, I was in the back seat, and I look up, and we are going the wrong way up a one-way street in downtown Knoxville with all these cars coming to us. And I was like, this is totally wicked. Do it again, Dad. I was like seven. I was like, this is awesome. So um, he didn't. That was just the one-time deal. Um, but I always, always think of that. So I want to welcome Emmett and Linda and Chantel. Uh, together we've been married all between us almost 75 years And so hopefully we've learned a thing or two about that. Uh, One of the things that we know is that those folks who can tell your origin story is a key marketer longevity. Uh, People that tell their story well with sense of fondness and solidarity uh, are more than twice as likely to stay together. And so that's one of my favorite questions to ask people when I meet them. How'd you meet? Uh, And if if the two go, uh, how did we meet? I don't remember. Um, That's that's pretty bad. Um, But fortunately for us... um, it, I mean, it was just ingrained in my mind. When uh, it, it was at Oklahoma State, I was at Farmhouse Fraternity. She was at Delta Zeta. Uh, I was the director for Freshman Follies. And uh, she comes in from an aerobics class, and she was smoking hot. And uh, I, I leaned over to my, uh, my friend, the other director, uh, who was best man in our wedding. And I said to Chris, I said, Chris, she is in the show. And uh, he said, Mark, she has not tried out yet. We have not heard her sing. And I said, I don't care. She is in the show. And so, um, and she was, and, uh, and our story kind of goes from there. And, and so when I asked Emma and Linda how they met, you, you all have one of my favorite how did you meet stories of all time. Would you share it for us? It was uh, May of 1964. I had just graduated from high school, and um, I was at the State 4-H uh, Roundup, uh, or meeting, we called it a Roundup, and um, it was at the OSU campus, and I 
had to go to the 4-H state office uh, to meet with one of the leaders to find out what my assignment was uh, for the evening um, opening ceremony. And um, Ray Parker was the leader, and he introduced me to Emmett. And that evening, <clears throat> when I got to um, the assembly, I found out that Emmett had been assigned to be my assistant in my part of the program. Now, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> and um, uh, then uh, uh, we, um, <clears throat> we were walking around campus. I was with my mom and uh, my uncle. My mom was there as a chaperone for the other 4-H'ers in our county. And my uncle was on campus because he was a teacher there. And in visiting with them, I found out that he um, had had Emmett in his class the semester before. And my uncle always took credit <laughs> for, for introducing us. Well, I was in 4-H club from grade school through college and um, had decided uh, to hang around campus after that second semester of my freshman year was over to see some of my friends from my 4-H days because they were coming up for a roundup and stopped by the state office and as Linda said, we met in the state office. For me, it was love at first sight. And as I was walking back to, to uh, farmhouse fraternity to um, do whatever, get dinner, I guess, of trying to figure out what I needed to do. And I don't remember exactly how I finagled that evening deal, but I held the flashlight for her while she gave her speech. And <laughs> we, we ran into each other several times on campus and uh, <clears throat> Anyway, come to find out, she was scheduled to go on a 4-H club, People to People, a goodwill tour to Europe that summer. And also learned there was an opening on that, <laughs> on that tour. So being uh, in love, uh, you know, I was concerned that if I didn't kid her as my steady girl, before she got to school, some other guy was going to nab her. And uh, in those days, the tradition was, um, well, first of all, I had to figure out how to fund this trip. It was $1,200, which was a lot of money in 1964. Uh, I mean, that was uh, a big part of my college. So I called my parents, and I had, as a 4-H project, several milk cows in the dairy herd, and uh, my dad had given me a heifer calf every year that we, for several years that we raised, and then went into the dairy herd. So technically I owned several cows that were in the milk herd, and those were supposed to pay for my college expenses. And we talked about it and just decided that we'd sell four cows to raise the $1,200 so I could go to Europe. I didn't say anything about the girl I was chasing. I was <laughs> It may have come out different if I had it, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so I had that part set, and then I had to figure out how to get her to go steady with me. And so you know, in those days, if you were in a fraternity, you wanted a girl to go steady, you bought what was called a drop. It was a necklace with your fraternity crest on it. And so I went to the student union and bought a drop. Got signed up for the trip, and so we go to Europe. So we get on the trip, and I'm at Linda's elbow day one. And I guess she liked me because she didn't tell me to buzz off or anything. And we had our first kiss on the seashore in Copenhagen. Uh, guys, that's the way to do it. 
and uh, offered to drop up in Frankfurt, and she took it. So by the time we got to college that fall, we were going steady. That's awesome. And then, of course, that led to, ta-da, your wedding day. And this December, you'll be married 50 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, we're very excited for you all. That's good stuff. So over, over this time, what have you all learned that might be helpful to other couples here uh, about having an enduring relationship, not just one that starts and stops, but one that actually lasts? Uh, it's very important to discuss and uh, make important decisions together. And we try to work on that. And also spending time together is very important. Now, I forgot to tell my story in the first service about when the time we didn't do this. Mm. I was uh, overseas in the service in Korea, and um, uh, there was a lot of peer pressure to buy electronics because it was such a good deal over there. You know, Japanese electronics were cheap compared to U.S. prices, and so I bought a bunch of stereo equipment and wrote a check for it. Uh, about the same time, Linda wrote a check for her tuition. She'd gone back to school to get her master's. And guess what? Both checks cleared, the, got to the bank and overdrew the account. Well, there's a few lessons in that. Uh, if you're going to make a big purchase, you really ought to talk about it. <laughs> and you shouldn't be buying stuff you don't need, even if it is a good deal. <laughs> uh, other things that uh, I've listed, uh, these aren't necessarily things that are going to work for everybody. These are things that you know, we believe were important in making our marriage successful. And uh, So take it as you will. I, I think it helped that it was true love. I think it was God-given that I decided to hang around OSU that spring, that I happened to be in the state office in the 20-minute window that Linda was there, and that Ray Parker took time to introduce us, and that we ran into other, each other several times in the next few days, and that my parents agreed to sell those cows so I could go to Europe. I mean, it just, you can't plan that kind of stuff. It was God-given. Uh, we both grew up on... Um, in small towns on farms, uh, so our, our values were just in total sync. There, there, were, there was hardly ever anything that, that when you got down to a value basis that we disagreed on. Uh, we dated for three and a half years before we got married, so that we knew each other very well. We had time to talk about all of our dreams and what we wanted to do in life. And we and we got to found out we found out we can get along, and we were lucky that our dreams came true. Uh, we we were able to uh, get on our feet financially before we started our family, and I think that was a big help. Uh, marriage takes time and energy. You know, it, you just got to put both into it. It's a commitment. And we, we both, in our value structure, believe in honoring our commitments. Uh, we, we quickly learn to avoid debt. It's just a, you just borrow your, against your future income when you go in debt and, and, and when you live above your means. And so we always try to live within our means and always try to save. Uh, putting money aside... Uh, and living within your means are, are, are difficult in a place like Edmond because there's all this peer pressure and all these other people that have more. And um, but we, we, we steadfastly did it. 
takes this, whenever there's a hiccup, it takes the strain off. And if some opportunity comes along, then you're able to take advantage of it. Well, and Emmett, while we're there, let me go ahead and, and skip ahead to the next, the one after that, um, where we talk about what's hard, uh, because I know you all had a season where you had a job change, and that I want to talk about that saving and not being a debt piece, because it really was a lifesaver for you all. So, uh, yeah, we, can you tell us about how you got through that hard season in particular? Yeah, and uh, I, start, I, I majored in accounting because I wanted to raise money to be a farmer, um, I'm going to have a good paying job and get started in farming, but I quickly got into the insurance business and was an executive in the insurance business. And in 1986, one day the, I was fired. Our company had been bought out. The owner said, we don't need you anymore. And um, so at that time, uh, you know, we had two kids in uh, junior high, I guess they were. It was a big blow, but we had saved. We didn't have to go without eating. We didn't have to get a smaller house. We didn't take a ski trip that year. We didn't, you know, we didn't go on a big vacation that year, but we, because we had saved up money and had that emergency fund, we got through it. And, and, it, and it actually, we lived out of savings partially for several years as I restarted my career. And I, I just think that's so important that, you know, hard times are going to come. I mean, you all didn't have a, a perfect life where everything always tracked. Um, but because of the sorts of um, discipline and habits that you all had developed early, and I've watched you do over all these years, you've managed it so well. And that included a, a, quite a health scare for Linda at one point. In um, late 93 and in 94, Linda was having uh, what I call plumbing problems and uh, been going to the doctors and they kept trying to figure out. Finally, her OB took a biopsy and um, we got a call to come over for a meeting. So we're sitting down with the OB and this is in the late spring of 1994 and she said, well, Linda, you have uterine cancer and it could be serious. Uh, we don't know <clears throat> how far it's spread, if it's into your abdomen or not. So we're gonna do a complete hysterectomy. Our recommendation is to do a complete hysterectomy and that we also take lymph nodes and biopsy them. So she had a, she, so we decided to, we better do the surgery and Linda was a trooper. Uh, the only thing that got us through that was prayer. Uh, you know, they, they, they do this stuff late in the week and then you have to wait till the next Monday to get the lab results back. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it seemed like it's always that way. And, you know, it was a long weekend waiting to find out. And um, fortunately, and with the grace of God, the, the cancer was encapsulated in the uterus. And uh, so then we go through the next five years that you have to go through with periodic follow-up visits and tests and see if there's any, any more cancer and there weren't, wasn't any, and she's been clean and green since 1994, and we just praise the Lord for that. Amen. Amen, amen. So um, how does your faith influence your relationships? Uh, you visited a little bit about prayer, and I know you all have been active in, in church life as well. Well, we have gone to church and Sunday school for almost all of our married life. Sorry. 
Uh, we, we were also active in Marriage Encounter, uh, which was really a, a, a blessing. We had um, several of our friends from church. Uh, we had started a small group together, and for um, very regularly, um, I can't remember if it was monthly, but we um, had a, a small group uh, of uh, Marriage Encounter that we did for several years. I think we're a little bit out of order. That's okay. You just say whatever you want to say. <laughs> no, no, you did fine. great. You're, you're doing fine. great. Uh, one of the things I learned through Marriage Encounter, uh, and this is, of course, a guy thing, you know, men and me in particular, we're not, we're not really good at expressing our feelings. And um, one of the things they taught us uh, out of many in Marriage Encounter, but the one thing that stuck with me the most is that when, when you have a conflict, or you're, you're unhappy with something your partner is doing, uh, deal with it by telling how it makes you feel rather than just accusing or jumping on or you know, making a scene about it. And that keeps it from, from escalating and, ho and then leads, hopefully, to you know, a discussion about what's going on and, and what can we both do to fix it. That was one thing that we realized when we met earlier in the week that we have in common. We have a lot of things in common in our relationships. Uh, the first being that, you know, these two great relationships both happen in Stillwater. I don't know if you guys caught that, but, uh, <laughs> but also Mark and I um, went through a marriage encounter weekend in 1998, and it was really helpful to me, um, even though I'm the woman in the relationship, I wasn't very good at expressing my feelings. I pretty much only went to anger, and uh, they gave you this whole sheet of paper that listed out all the different emotions that you might have, and you spent a lot of time identifying what those emotions were, and then working on how to communicate that um, with your partner. And so I think it's really important to point out that in both of our relationships, we had help, and we, we sought out that help, and then also implemented it in the relationship so that we could make it stronger. Absolutely, and, and I think, you know, what Emmett and Linda are both saying as well is uh, we did have a sense that God was leading us, uh, leading us together and leading us to marriage encounter, leading us to uh, through hard times and good times, and so uh, this photo is from 2001 when Emmett and Linda joined the churches around Christmas time. You might be able to tell from her sweater and my tie. Uh, at, this is Christmas time, and so we've known each other a long time, and one of the things that I, I just loved and do still love about them is they have a walking regimen. Uh, I know that pretty much over the years, uh, when particularly when we were building the other building, Emmett and I were together almost every day. And, um, you know, one of the things I'd, I'd call for him at, at like 5 o'clock, I was like, oh, yeah, he's not going to answer because he's walking with Linda and Andrea. They had this walking routine. I think you all have changed locations, uh, but continue to walk. Um, and just that, that set um, ritual, this is what we do as a family. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is healthy for us. Uh, has just meant so much to me. Um, to watch you all live that out and to have a strong uh, marriage all these years. So um, what's next for you all? What are you looking forward to next? Spending lots of time with our grandchildren. Oh, I yeah, sure. Yeah. Spending lots of time with our grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, we're kind of proud of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, grandkids... Kids are a blessing from the Lord, but 
you just can't describe what it's like to have grandkids until you get them. And you know, if, if we if we could have them first, we would have done that. <laughs> there is so much more fun. Kids are what you have to go through to get them. <laughs> and uh, we 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 just we take trips uh, every summer with the two oldest ones. We uh, we take the opportunity to take a day trip with any of them whenever they're available. So if there's a President's Day school outing, the schools all, if they're out of school like President's Day, then we go to the science museum or whatever. And um, you know our our big goal in life now is to be involved in their life. Uh, you know I feel like I could have been more involved in my children's life just because of work. Uh, we were we went to most of our kids' games and stuff like that, but there were times when I, I could have spent more time with my children, and I chose to be at work. And uh, but you know there's pluses and minuses to that. The work kept the food on the table, but I feel feel like I kind of missed out on a little bit, and you know I want to do all I can to be with those grandkids. I, I just w hope that you will share with me my great appreciation, your appreciation for uh, getting real, uh, 50 years of marriage, and thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. We all show your appreciation. Thank you. Um, as Chantel and the Carters head back to their seat, I want to share with you a little clip on what I think a uh, good marriage might look like, a good relationship. And that's life, right? You have these very sweet, touching moments, and the next thing you know, uh, you know, your kids are screaming. Uh, that happens. Uh, we're going to finish up really quickly here. Secrets to long-term attraction. You're going to appreciate that we don't spend too much time on this. It is critical to maintain your sex life. Anybody want to just hang out and talk about your sex life with your pastor for a while? I didn't think so. We're going to move on. Uh, but here's the thing scientists will tell you. Dopamine and oxytocin serve as relationship glue. That's why it's so important that you're careful who you sleep with. Uh, because we, we know that, that oxytocin in particular is a chemical, is a bonding agent. It bonds you to whoever you're sleeping with. And, and dopamine, you know, gives you that great euphoria feeling where you're really happy to be with that person. So from a scientific standpoint, we know this to be true. And so your sex life is really important as you continue your marriage. Uh, but psychologically, uh, the single most important communication strategy among happy couples is saying this. You know it. It is, I love you, Right? So when you come home, I love you. Before you go to work, I love you. When you see each other uh, at an event, I love you. How are you doing? How was your day? I love you. Hey, you took out the trash. I love you, right? I love you. It's, it's very powerful. Um, and so if you're a tweeter, you can tweet this, saying thank you and other regular affirmations predict a couple is almost twice as likely to stay together. So when, when people actually do what you ask them to do, say thank you. You know, they fed the dog. Thank you. You know, somebody did some laundry. Thank you. Uh, you know, whatever it is, thank you. You know, I, somebody worked really hard today, thank you. Thank you for helping take care of us. Somebody did the taxes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? I mean, thank you. Uh, and, and the thing, one of the reasons it's so important is everybody's going to have a bump. But we just do. And so the thing is, you want to make sure that you have five positive feelings to every negative one. And that keeps your relationship steady. But just remember this, it is five to one. It is not one to one. It's not even close. It is five to one. And so before you have that difficult conversation, you need to make sure that you have at least five or 10 or 15 pieces of positive energy in that relationship before you try to handle something difficult. It, it makes no sense to bring up, you know, something really big and horrible at the end of a bad argument. I mean, it's just it's not going to work. 
It's going to be bad. You need more energy, more health around you to have those hard conversations. So our action steps are very simple this week, friends. First of all, let your spouse in on 90% of your day. Really, 90% of your day. What'd you do? Where'd you go? Who'd you talk to? You know, all of that. That's really great. Uh, we, we need that. Uh, we, we live in a, a, a culture that's more and more isolated where, um, you know, people have lots of autonomy. No, we need to share our lives. That's why we've chosen these people to live together. 90% of our lives. Um, and Chantel and I, uh, we have passwords to everybody's account. Everything's transparent for us and the boys 90% of the time. And that leads us to number two, which is accept that everybody needs some alone time. Everybody needs autonomy. Uh, so ladies, if your husband this evening goes to the bathroom and he's in there for 45 minutes, it doesn't take 45 minutes. But leave him alone. He's just tired of you. <laughs> he's tired of you, the kids, his life, whatever. They're, you know, just leave him alone. He doesn't have to share that 10% with you, and you don't want him to. And just, just let it go, and don't go in there. You'll be sorry, right? Just let it go. We all need alone time. We all need to share most of our lives, the majority of our lives. And then finally, Emmett and Linda did a great job of, of saying this without really putting it on us, and that is align financial goals. Align financial goals. Um, Probably more than anything else, this is where I see marriages get in trouble uh, because it's a betrayal, just like infidelity. It's no different. It's a different kind of betrayal, but it's still betrayal because if you don't know what's going on financially with the other person, um, it's betrayal, and it's really hard to overcome. It's really hard to overcome. You know, you go into the marriage, oh, did I forget to mention that $60,000 of student debt? Oh, surprise, you know. Oh, I didn't tell you I, I took out a credit card because the miles were really good and it's got $30,000 on it. Oh, I bought a car this afternoon. I think you're going to like it. No, no, no. Right? Financial goals, those have to be aligned. And, and what Emmett and Linda were sharing with us is the more you get those aligned, the less debt you have, the easier those bumps come. Because people do have financial scares. People do lose jobs. Matter of fact, I've, I've never known someone in their life that didn't have one of those things happen to them. Right? And healthcare is expensive. Losing your job can be really difficult. And so it's important that this is aligned. And so in terms of sharing our life together, we want to do that because these are people we love. Uh, we all need some autonomy, right? Uh, everybody does, and that's okay. Um, just, just need to have that and just not be doing anything that would remotely look at sabotaging your relationship and then aligning your financial goals. So between uh, the financial bumps uh, and having a healthy sex life, uh, those, those can be deadly if they, if they get together. If you're going through a really hard time financially and you stop sleeping together, it's, it's hard. It's deep weeds. Uh, so, so you need those to work in tandem together. Um, and, you know, save a little. Uh, go to the beach. Um, and the other part will take care of itself. Right? And it'll be great. Have a good life. Good long life together. We hope you do. We hope you will. Um, and we want to celebrate that relationships are good and wonderful and God-given. It's not good for us to be alone. We're meant to be together in community. Amen? Amen.